everybody? I'm glad Jenna prayed for strength. I feel really tender. Some are saying, what's new? I'm just so struck by how worthy he is, how good he is. And then you you, you, you you become aware actually that I have to stand and try and articulate just how good he is, just how worthy he is. And in this moment, I, I struggle to know how, how on earth can I articulate how good he is? How can I present his his worth in such a way that's adequate? And, uh, and so let's pray. Pray that he would come and enable somehow that I can do that Father thank you that that there is a love and a goodness there's generosity and kindness and patience that so characterizes you that in these moments we just in these moments where you just come close we we struggle to articulate that really well and and uh, but God, I just pray that in the in the in the attempts to do so, that you would that you would come and keep making yourself present, keep making yourself known, as we as we open your word, as we gather thoughts on what you're saying to us as a family on mission. God, that's who we are. That's what you've called us to be. It's how you've always longed for us to be, to be a family on mission, representing the, the very heart of the Father, the very nature of, of our Father. And uh, we worship you and we welcome you, we long for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go again. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Uh, Love that you're with us. Love the joy it truly is to, to worship together and to, to be together and, and try and gather our thoughts around the word. As David has said, next uh, next Sunday I echo um, David's introduction to Rand Matthews. Uh, Rand's going to be with us with uh, with three other, and I think they'll all be with us next next uh, Sunday morning, um, and then at the Tin House next Sunday evening. If we can also uh, flag that. Uh, he's coming with three pa- church pastors, three men that have been planting churches right across, uh, right across Durban in South Africa, um, and it's a real joy for us to be able to have them with us next uh, next Sunday. Um, so, with that in mind, we're we're going to in some way try and wrap up these this series. We've been t- going at this Greek word we find several times in the New Testament, oikonomia. And uh, as we've been, it means the, the, the literal translation is household management. And what we've wanted to do, this is our heart. This is our heart over the six or seven weeks that we've been doing this together. Alan was with us last week, David, Neville, Amy, and, uh, and myself, we've tried to, Articulate this as best we can. We're aware that our pronunciation 
has not been quite correct, but you've bird with us, and we thank you for that. But um, this idea of household management, what we've wanted to do is talk about how we manage our lives really well and how we invest really well. And we've wanted to do that in the context of a family and mission that long to follow, that longs to follow Jesus and to see his kingdom break in and transform lives. It seems like a big ask, but that's what we've wanted to do. And this is what this series has been about. How do we manage our lives well? How do we invest wisely? How do we invest well so in, in our a desire to follow Jesus and to see his kingdom break in and transform lives as a family and mission. That's what we've wanted to do. And you'll have heard, for those that were here last Sunday, Alan, as he so often does, manages to put language to the feelings that I sometimes find myself feeling. And, uh, and so he said last week, whatever this word is, whatever this oikonomia is, whatever this mystery is, some translations have it as administration. Whatever this min- administration of mystery, as Paul puts it, whatever this is, I want to do it for the rest of my life. I want to give the rest of my life to, to, to talking about how we manage well, invest well as a family and mission, following Jesus, longing to see his kingdom break in and transform lives. I want to do that for the rest of my life. I want to give the rest of my life to trying to understand this mystery that Paul presented. And I, I've, come to, I've come to realize, I've come to, to, and I present it to you and I suggest it to you that, that what we're talking about was key. It was foundational to the spread and the growth of the gospel. It was key and foundational to the good news of Jesus spreading all over the known world. It was, the, it was foundational to the spread and growth of the good news of Jesus and of the early church. And you'll have heard Alan again say last Sunday that God's centerpiece plan for humanity was the church. His centerpiece plan for humanity was the church. And he took us to Ephesians chapter 3. And if I can, again, just to remind those that were here and to point it out for those that weren't, Ephesians chapter 3 has these incredible verses. Let me read them to you. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, Paul says, this grace was given to me to preach, the gen- to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration or the oikonomia of this, minis- of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And his intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so in these few verses, in Ephesians chapter 3, we see the, two, the twofold grace that was given to Paul. And it was that he would preach the gospel to the Gentile world. He would bring the good news of Jesus to people who had never heard about it who never even would have thought it was for them. And Peter, Paul's grace that was given to him was to bring the good news of Jesus to the Gentile world and to make plain the administration of this, of this mystery. To bring the gospel of the good news of Jesus to the Gentile world and to make plain what all of this oikonomia was all about. Because this was revelation for Paul. Like all of this stuff that we read through in the New Testament, we, we read it, 
we read it almost sometimes thinking that that's the way it's always been. We read about elders and we read about deacons and we read about we read about the gospel going to the Gentiles. All of these things were was not were not happening. All of this was revelation that Paul Paul received. And the twofold grace given to him was to preach the gospel and to make plain what we're trying to in some way make plain over these last number of weeks. And so I think especially especially Neville a couple of weeks back began to push the idea of invest investment, began to push the idea of investing and stewarding what we have been given. And and what we've tried to do as we've looked as we've looked through the gospel, as we've looked through the word, we've tried to present five we've called them capitals, but we've probably swapped those words around as we've went on. Five five ways that you have been resourced. We've all been resourced to one degree or another in the in these five ways. And what we've presented in order of importance was spiritual, relational, physical, intellectual, and financial. We've tried to say that we've all been we've all been we've all been given those resources to one degree or another. Some more than others, some less than others. But these five things we've tried to suggest that we have been given these things to steward really well and to invest wisely and to manage our lives with. What I'd love to do this morning um, is look at this look at this story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16. And if truth be told I still still don't know if I fully get my head around the parable of the shrewd manager. But let me read this. Let me read this. Let's read it along together if you if you can, if you want. Luke chapter sixteen. A story that Jesus is is uh, sharing with his disciples. And this is at the start of chapter sixteen. There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management. Give an account of how you have managed your life. Give me an account of how you, well you have invested. Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master has taken away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their homes. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and I asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 800 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 400. And then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. And then the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Yes, that verse is in the Bible. 
For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves. So that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have been not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Even reading that again, I'm still st- stunned by this parable. Anyway, I've, I, I'm, I'm wrestling. Jesus, what are you, what are you saying to us? What are you teaching us? Because this, this administration of mystery, this oikonomia, it's, it's, only mentioned, it's only mentioned nine or ten times throughout the New Testament. Paul uses it in the visions and Colossians and Corinthians. But we have it here. Jesus uses it in Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 16. Come to realize that this is a this is a stewardship issue, and as I, and as and as I think through the lens of these five of these five resources that we've all been given, I'm asking: is there is there something that you're teaching us that we can use these five resources to try and explain what's going on a bit better? And so we see the, this manager having to quick think really quickly on his feet. He's lost his job. He's aware that he's not getting it back. He's not strong enough to dig. And he's too ashamed to beg. And so he comes up with a plan. He uses his intellectual resource. But he's using it in such a way that he is going to see how he can invest what he has financially in order to grow relationally. Are you with me? He's using what he's been given intellectually. He's starting to think. How can I use what I have financially? How can I invest that in such a way that I can grow relationally? And I think that that is... I think that is one of the things in this story that I think that Jesus is commanding. I think he's saying that it's worth investing your financial resources. It's worth using all that you've got intellectually in order to grow relationally. Because that's worth far more. It's worth far more than financial resources unfortunately as we've as we touched on the first week the the rich young ruler didn't think that way the rich young ruler didn't think that it was worth investing all of his finances in order to gain jesus he didn't think it was worth giving it all up for in order to to follow jesus and i read through that story and it, and it sometimes grieves me that we that whenever we come across gospel preaching, that almost that almost allows the rich young ruler to, to 
to get away with what he wants to get away with. See, the rich young ruler wanted to obtain the kingdom of God as a product. The, the rich young ruler wanted, actually, he wanted Jesus. He wanted Jesus to be the cherry on top. It grieves me, it does, it grieves me whenever we hear gospel preaching that says you've got your wife, you've got your child, and you've got your job, and you've got your two cars in the driveway. Now, all you need is Jesus. Jesus will be the cherry on top. Jesus will put it all nice, having Jesus at the top, the cherry on top, he'll make it all nice and great. The cake will be wonderful now that you've got Jesus. But Jesus was asking for Jesus was asking for more. The rich young ruler wanted to sacrifice nothing. The rich young ruler wanted to lay down nothing. And we've we've bounced from we've bounced from beautiful surrender, that beautiful surrender series that we went through to to this series. And I think we want to keep those keep both of those both of those series quite open handed over the next number of weeks and months. Physically, we want to we want to sacrifice. We want to lay down our lives, and we also, as we do that, we want to invest wisely. We want to manage our lives well, in the context of sacrifice, in the context of laying our lives down. Verse nine is in this story that Jesus tells. He is he is speaking to his disciples in response to this story, and he's saying, "Use your resources." Use what you've been given. Use what you've been given to steward in order to benefit others and to make friends. I think it's the relational stuff that Jesus is is going after in this story. Because as he goes on to ask the question, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And for me, as I think of true riches, I, I can't but help but think that Jesus is talking about people. I read it and I'm like, he has to be talking about people. That's, that's the true riches. That's, that's his prized possession. That's what he's given his life for. That's what he's laid down his life for in order to, to grow relationally. In order that all people would come to know him in, all, in order that no one would perish. And I think that the, that the relational resources that we've been given and the spiritual resources that we have been given, they're so closely linked. They're, they're knitted together. And I know that I'm saying that, that, that spiritual is the most important and then relational and then physical and then intellectual and then financial. But as I read through some of the words of Jesus, and especially as I read through the Gospel of John and the letters that John writes, they're so closely linked together that if you're not growing relationally, or at least investing to grow relationally, then you're not growing spiritually. And and, and Paul is really, Paul is really provocative when it comes. Or John, sorry, John's really provocative when it comes to that idea. He's essentially saying, and to paraphrase many of, of what John has to say throughout his first letter especially, if you're not loving those around you, 
if you're not investing in such a way to gain friends, to build into the lives of those around you, then don't try and say that you love me. If there's not a growing in relationship with one another, don't try to say that there is any type of growth in relationship with me. I think these are some of the things that that Jesus is maybe provoking the disciples with. It would still provoke us with today. How how well, how how much are you investing in to grow relation, relational resources? How much are you investing in? How much are you willing to invest in in order to grow relationally with those that God has surrounded you with? Because if you're not doing that, there's not a growing in your relationships and the depth of your relationships with one another or if there's not at least an investment in order to see that grow then don't I don't think you can get away with saying that you're growing spiritually they're so closely linked together if you're not loving those around you then don't try to say that you are loving him or with him or for him I think as we, as we try to combine almost the two series that we've gone through together, what we want to say in it all is that sacrifice is worth it. We read these verses, especially in the Gospel of Matthew, where Matthew is urging his people, if you, want to, if, you want to, if you want to find your life, you're going to have to lose it. If you want to gain, you're going to have to give it away. And I think in the in the beautiful surrender series, we found ourselves leaning towards the the laying down, the losing of our lives. But the other side of the coin is is that we gain. It's in the sacrifice. It's in the it's in the investing. It's in the giving away and laying ourselves down that we find life. Matthew says that in chapter ten, verse thirty nine. We're told in Matthew chapter thirteen the story of the, the, the treasure in the field and the, the story of the, the parable of the fine pearls. And Jesus is saying that if like, we've, we lent to that in the beautiful surrender, you, you need to lay it all down. You need to be willing to lay everything down, sell everything you have in order to get the treasure in the field. But remember, remember that whenever you've laid it all down, when you've surrendered it all, you're left with the treasure. Whenever you've surrendered, whenever you've sacrificed, whenever you've laid it all down for the sake of the kingdom, you're left with the, you're still left with the fine pearls. Matthew chapter 19 talks about being willing to leave everything, to be like the disciples, to leave to leave your what you're relying on financially. Peter and the guys that were fishermen. That was their income. That was their job. That was their livelihood. They had to lay it all down in order to follow Jesus. And we see that over and over again. and We see it in modern missionaries over and over again that we're willing to leave everything, that are willing to lay it all down. And so we erred on that side in beautiful surrender, but we also want to say in, in, in equal proportion that the rest of that verse says you will receive a hundredfold. Lay it all down. Be willing to leave it all behind. Sacrifice everything. But you're still left with the treasure. The kingdom is 
is that treasure. The kingdom is the fine pearls. The kingdom, walking in the kingdom is beginning to, to receive that hundred times. And I want to say this as we, as we start to, to wind this series up. Is that you will never regret offering yourself fully. And, I'm, and I know that there's been some conversations that we've had throughout this series that has provoked people to, to sacrifice, to invest in such a way in order to grow intellectually, to grow physically, to grow relationally. And wrestling with the sacrifice that that's going to make. Wrestling with what you're going to have to lay down what you need to know, what you need to be reminded of as we've tried to remind you of even in one-on-one conversations you will never regret you will never regret offering yourself fully we heard the story we were reminded this week in the Isle of Man of the story in in Joshua chapter 7 where they had devoted everything to the Lord they had devoted everything, they'd laid everything down but Achan just couldn't Resist going back and picking up that little bit that was that was supposed to be given unto the Lord, and so we so often do that. For me, there's the the risk of being at a conference for two days, and in the midst of worship, in the midst of worshiping with four or five hundred people, you're isolated from everything else going on around you, and your 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 inhibitions. You've lost a wee bit of your inhibitions, and you're saying, "Jesus, I'm going to give it all to you." I'm going to let all down. And then you come out of the conference setting, and like Aiken, you pick. I know I devoted that all, Jesus, but I'm just going to take this little bit. I'm going to hold on to this little bit for myself. I need some sort of security. I need some sort of understanding that I'm going to be all right. And you go and you pick up that thing that you'd once devoted onto Him. And so, in light of that, I want to say again. You will never regret offering yourself fully. And I love it more than anything. More than anything that as we leave today, as we, as, we, as we move on from this series, but I think in some ways we never will. That we would be overarching in our minds. I will never regret offering myself fully to him. There would be nothing that I have to invest that will not be worth giving to him. See, First Peter, in, in his letter, in First Peter chapter 1, verse 7, when you've gone through the trial, and he begins to speak about your faith that has endured, and in describing that faith, he says it's worth, it's greater than gold. It's worth far more than gold. And all that he wants to do in you all that he wants to do through you as you endure, as you invest, as you offer yourself and lay yourself down again and again. You begin to realize the call on us to manage our lives well, to invest well. The thing that we that is going to come out, the thing that is going to be refined in all of that is, is our faith as we go through the fire, as we are refined in the fire. Our faith remains and it's worth more, far more than gold. Colossians chapter 1, I'm finishing with this. Colossians chapter 1, and 
just reminded of this as these some of the songs that we sang just reminded once again of that he is worthy of it all that he is due that he is due preeminence that he is due first place not first place among other things but preeminent over everything over it all and these are stunning verses in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 to 20 it says speaking of Jesus he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things were created by him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross and as I think of those verses I'm reminded and I know it's speaking of I know in Malachi chapter 3 it's speaking of the tithe but throughout this a number of weeks back we went to Second Corinthians chapter 9 and and said what can be said about giving can also be said about living and I think it would be good to have that in our minds as we look at Malachi chapter 3 and again I know that Malachi, Malachi, is, Malachi is talking the Irish the Irish translation um, Malachi Malachi is talking about uh, tithe he's talking about giving I was just so struck by that idea of returning to him and so, so whenever we are and we'll do it at the end we'll We'll say we're going we're gonna to take the tithes and we're asking you to give unto the Lord. But actually there's something about that. There's something about that idea that we read in Malachi chapter 1 verse, Malachi chapter 3 verse 8. Return to him. And as we read Colossians chapter 1, we're reminded of he is, he is first. He is supreme. All, everything is created by him. It's through him. It's all found in him. And what we want to say is that all you're doing as we think of investment, of where you're going to invest, of what you're going to give your lives for, of what you're going to lay down, of what you're going to sacrifice. What we're wanting you to know is that all you're doing is returning to him. It's, it's already his. It belongs to him. Everything you have, everything that he has given to you, it's a gift from him. And this Father's Day reminded of James that every good and perfect gift is from the Father. And so as we think of investment and whether it's worth investing, the reality is it's, it doesn't even belong to you. He has entrusted you to steward it, to steward it wisely, to invest wisely, to manage your life well as you follow Jesus in such a way that would see his kingdom break in and transform lives as a family and mission and so we've tried to talk about how that looks how that might look for some people practically if I can just say for me personally I'm in a place where as I, as I look through the five resources um, I'm saying to myself where, where am I lacking where do I need where do I need to invest 
and the truth be told, I'm thinking to myself, I, I could do with I could do with growing intellectually. Nobody's disagreeing. That's so 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 upsetting that nobody is questioning that at all. But in, but in all seriousness, I'm like I, I I think there's a I think there's a season. I think there's a season that he wants to take me in in order to increase learning, in order to increase intellectually. But I'm aware that in the season of life I need to I need to invest. I need to invest from somewhere where I have a bit more. And I'm I'm asking the Lord where what where can I invest in order to grow intellectually? Because in all of that my goal and my order to my, my desire to grow intellectually is not is not so that I'm I can be I can have letters after my name or anything like that. It's also that I can I can better speak of him, better worship him, better better understanding and and, and growing in him. We've offered some practical things as we've gone on in this series of what maybe you could do. Maybe you're lacking. Maybe you're lacking relationally. Maybe you could do with what I think Jesus is getting at in Luke chapter 16 here. If you're lacking relationally, let me assure you it is it is worth investing financially in order to grow relationally. And so if you can, I would encourage you, if you need to gain some friends, you know it doesn't sound sounds sounds wrong, but that's what the Bible says. If you want to if you want to gain friends, if you want to grow relationally, I'd encourage you if you have a, f- if a few pounds, it is worth investing financially. And all that is 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 exercising the gift of hospitality that might be land dormant in some of you. And so begin to, to, to put on a really good feed. I'm telling you, especially around this place, put on a good, good feed for somebody. You're going to gain friends pretty quick. You will be fulfilling Luke chapter 16, the call of Jesus, really well. And for some, and as I've said, I'm, I, just, I so appreciate mothers and fathers in the room. And, and, and regardless of age, I just think we, again, we're in a season where we are just longing for those that are mature in the faith that would invest physically, meaning their time, their energy, into those who need to grow spiritually. And, and so I, I'm asking that you, that you would maybe take a look at the five things that you've been given and, and ask yourself, how are you stewarding? How are you stewarding what has been given? Are you managing what's been entrusted to you wisely? And there's no condemnation. Don't feel guilty if in those areas where you feel slightly weaker. So we're wanting to enter into conversation. We're wanting to enter into honest dialogue with the Father. And I say, Father, I'm acknowledging this. I'm saying that I need to grow here. What have you given me that I can invest in? What have, what have I got in my hand that I can invest in in order to grow? And I think in all of that, the goal is relational. The goal is spiritual. As we love one another well, it's a sign of how well we love him. And no matter what series we go through, no matter what song that we sing, no matter what announcement that we make, no matter who we send on mission, our heart, the burning passion of our heart is that we would, we would increasingly have people grow in the likeness of Jesus. The goal is to look like him. The goal is to bear his image well. And so I want to remind you of, of how I finished off the wedding yesterday 
when I'm done with this, forget about the two Christians, the two people standing before the minister dressed in their bridal gear. I want to go beyond that and this desire in me as we finish this series to, as we think about how we're going to stand before him. And we want to hear, this is what we want to hear God say, I think. We hope to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servants. Over the years, you have lifted one another up to me. You sacrifice for one another. You hold one another up with prayer and thanksgiving. You confronted each other. You rebuked each other. You hugged and you loved each other. And you continually pushed each other toward me. And now look at you. You're radiant. And so, Father, we want to be 